Welcome to the OWIC Publishing Offer Spotlight, showcasing books and offers who boldly proclaim the Word of God. Welcome back to another edition of the OWIC Publishing Author Spotlight. And today it is just me again, and I want to bring your attention to one of my books. This is probably one of my top bestsellers. Apparently a lot of people are interested in prayer. And so I wrote this book, Hezekiah's Prayer. Now, this is part of my series of books called Kings of All Creation. As of now, we have two books out. The third and the fourth books are in the planning stages, so more will be out. The first book in the series is called Josiah's Sanctification. And uh, what we're looking at in this whole series is we're looking at Old Testament kings and lessons that we can get as modern New Testament Christians. There is a lot of discussion. A lot of people have a hard time understanding what you can see from the Old Testament and how it relates to our life in Christ. And that's exactly what the Kings of All Creation series seeks to do. Now, I did Josiah's sanctification first because my ministry at Our Walk in Christ has generally always been more about sanctification, living the life of Christ. That is what is important. We can run around and if we say we are believers and our entire life is contrary to the scriptures, we are doing ourselves a great misdeed. And we want to make sure that we counter that. And so that first book there is about living a life in Christ. And it was mostly extracted from notes from a old sermon from the very first church I ever attended shortly after becoming a Christian many years ago. Now, the second book in this series is Hezekiah's Prayer. Now, I look at Bible reading and prayer as two of the most fundamental things that Christian can do, service being another one of those. But Bible reading gives us an insight into the mind of God, and prayer gives us an insight into the heart of God. And that's really what is so important. So, of course, Hezekiah's prayer focuses on King Hezekiah. And one of the trademarks of Hezekiah's life is that he often would pray. And as he would pray, what would happen is circumstances would change. We see in his book God seeming to change his mind. Now, does God change his mind? Does an immutable God change his mind? Maybe, maybe not. The point is here is to see the the uh, paradoxical interplay between our life in Christ, God, and prayer. And this is really what is so important. Now, these books are really short. You can actually read them in about an, an hour and a half, usually, maybe two hours max. That's why they're set at 100 pages, very easy to read, and are all designed to be very quick, concise Bible studies. So all of them are set up in a very similar format. So this one here, we kind of get into some basic introduction. I'll go ahead and read the introduction that I have to Hezekiah's prayer. And pardon me, I was a science scientist in college and grad school and stuff. So I start with geeky science stuff. Physical chemistry is a type of hard that I had never experienced in college before. 
By my junior year, I earned the reputation as a person who could not be stopped by any academic challenge. And so when this impossible class hit my schedule, I started out strong, full of sinful pride. (laughs) I was not a Christian yet. I fought through the first exam with flying colors and even managed to get through the rest of the first semester without so much of a hitch. I thought I was unstoppable, but I was not. I realized by the third exam in the second semester that I had finally met my academic match. I was conquered, beaten down, and destroyed by the Hamiltonian operator, which so eluded me. My academic studies were finally failing me. I locked myself into the dark basement section of my back office where I was able to get away. I cried out into the darkness at nothing, for at this time I did not know God. I was thinking this would be the first time I would fail a course in my college years. I exhausted every avenue for success. I could think up on my own, studying more, buying extra books, on topic, doing more problems. I did everything, except go and talk to the professor, of course. I finally decided to humble myself and knock on the door to ask for help. But let's be honest, not a lot of people could help a confused student understand physical chemistry. I use this story to illustrate how many of us behave when we encounter problems in life. In my little story, it was only when I showed up to the professor's office that I finally realized he was willing to help all along. It only took humbling myself enough to ask for assistance from the one source who could really help. And when problems occur in our life, we need to humbly ask for help with the only source who truly understands and has power to help us, the God of heaven. Like many people, I put off seeking the one person who could help me the most until the very last minute. Why do we do this to ourselves? Because in the West, we are brought up to find our own solutions to our problems rather than seek out those who can actually help us solve them. We are taught to be self-sufficient. It is certainly an American construct to be independent, to solve our own problems. Though often we are taught to employ advice from our trusted family and friends, God is the one source with the knowledge to best understand our struggles and the power to help us through them. It all boils down to independence versus interdependence. Independence is when we try to be an island unto ourselves. We attempt to be our own person, to be free from the counsel of one another. But interdependence is when we recognize we cannot be entirely self-sufficient. We can seek the help of others and ultimately the help of God. The Bible is clear, we are not to be alone, but rather we are built for community and for fellowship. Before sin entered the world, God placed the man, Adam, in the Garden of Eden, but he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. The woman was made for the man, and the institution of marriage was created, a permanent fellowship for people on earth. Outside of marriage, we also have friends. Remember King David and his best friend, Jonathan. They loved one another with a deep bond of friendship that is unparalleled in the rest of the Old Testament. 
After the time of Christ, however, a deep form of love and friendship was often spoken of in various epistles. We are to love everyone without the expectation of return. The same agape, love, which Christ demonstrated when he died on the cross. But these human friendships are not all we are to have. The greatest bond of fellowship happened when Jesus died on the cross and gave us all direct access to God through prayer. Our fellowship with him is in the ultimate relationship we can have. And like all relationships, communication is very important since communication with God is prayer. Prayer is interdependence, the humble knowledge that we cannot solve all our problems on earth. We need to have communication to bear our soul and to ask for help, both of which are difficult for us to do because our society teaches us to not seek help. We may ask for prayer requests, but often the majority of us rarely take those requests directly to God first. Hezekiah learned early in his life to have fellowship with God through his word, through the prophets, and most importantly, through prayer. In his, this book, we will be learning about this king, where he came from, and how he became known as the most righteous king since David. By the end of the book, we will understand why God listened to this king when he took his concerns before God, and hopefully we, too, will learn the importance of prayer and how to be heard by him. So there we have it, the introduction to Hezekiah's prayer. So in this book, we want to look at the fact that King Hezekiah had unsurmountable odds. There are uh, some things I even speculate on. According to Jewish tradition in the Sanhedrin, Hezekiah was actually passed through the fire. Now, what this is, if you are unaware of uh, of the Old Testament rulings, the, the Old Testament era, as it were, passing someone through the fire, this is sacrificing them to Moloch. We know that Hezekiah's father was a worshiper of Moloch. In that time, they would sacrifice their babies to Moloch. And so Hezekiah, it would appear, has probably been passed through the fire. Maybe this is why he had such a zeal for the one true God. Okay, and so... According to the um, according to the Sanhedrin, the official Jewish records, yes, he was indeed uh, passed through the fire, and the legend goes that his mother saved him by rubbing him in the uh, either clothing him in the skin of a salamander or rubbing him in the blood of the salamander, both of which are in theory supposed to help. But I, it makes me wonder because God says he was going to die, and he was a very young man. It makes me wonder if he had complications from being burned and scarred. These are speculations, of course. The so scripture doesn't tell us exactly that. But what we do know is there are two major challenges that Hezekiah faces in his kingdom. And he was considered a very, very righteous king. The two challenges, of course, one of these is that his entire city at Jerusalem was under siege for a long time. This is the time that I get my absolute favorite Bible verse in the King James Version, where the uh, Assyrian army camping out, and God, in response to prayer, goes out and declares that he's going to uh, send the king back. And uh, he says they sent one angel through the, through the Assyrian camp that night and killed 185,000 of them, I believe is the number, going off of memory. 
And the King James just says it best. He says, behold, they awoke and they were dead. (laughs) I love that. But anyway, the point is, is that uh, he was facing, Hezekiah was facing unsurmountable odds. Whereas all of the other kings before him, his father before him, etc., etc., were trying to buy and sell their power. They were trying to get out and and change around the rules, change, just, just basically uh, manipulate their way forward politically. Hezekiah was the first king in a long time to say, I can't do any of this. He turned himself to God and prayed. He humbled himself before God and prayed. And this is where God said, hey, I am going to deliver your city. We also find another circumstance and another time, and this is an illness. There is some speculation to say, and even some scriptural analysis I go into in finer detail in the book, that suggests the illness might have actually been before the siege on Jerusalem. It's just that the siege on Jerusalem was more important culturally and politically at the time, which is why it's listed first. I go into that speculation and talk about the pros and cons against that speculation further in the book. But in the second case, we have this illness and God says, hey, you're going to die. Put your life in, in an order. Put your affairs in order for the end. And he turns to the wall. And it's important he turns to the wall. He's not praying out loud very quietly. He's praying, God, remember your servant. What are you going to do? Give me more time on earth. Now, Isaiah was the prophet who delivered the original message. And as Isaiah is walking out the courtyard, God comes back to him. Boom. Go back to Hezekiah. Tell him I'm going to add years to your life because of your faithfulness. So what we see is Hezekiah had multiple unsurmountable odds in his life. And his prayer was very uh, poignant in what he was doing in order to see forth how God was working. So what we see in Hezekiah's prayer is this calling out of, uh, it's the the basic calling out of of prayer and how prayer works. So that's all our history lesson. And of course, in the entirety of the Kings of All Creation series, we actually go into a lot of practical tips. So if you're a new Christian or just looking for more insight onto your prayer life, you might also want to pick up a copy of this book. And what we're going to do here is you can actually go through and and we set up a little bit of a plan here. We want to pull in some lessons about prayer, uh, just summarizing here part of those lessons. From Hezekiah, we've learned to be sanctified in our faith. You can't be running around and, and um, you know, sowing wild oats Monday through Saturday, praying on church on Sunday for a crop failure. Uh, in other words, you have to actually live your life with honesty and integrity before the Lord. You have to be sanctified in what you are doing. And when you are sanctified in your faith, praying to God in humility, God opposes the proud yet gives grace to the humble, is a verse that is referenced. It is from an Old Testament. It's also referenced in uh, one of the books of Peter and in the book of James in chapter 4 in James. I forget which book of Peter it's in, but it's one of those two. And uh, you will find that exact expression because we have to come before God as humble people, not as people just out there to seek what what we can. Hey, I, I am all about me. God, you got to give me something because I'm me. That's a wrong attitude to take. And finally, we want to approach God as a first reaction. Hezekiah did not turn to God in his prayer at the end of it. He turned to God in his prayer 
first. Now, there is something that we find. Nehemiah does this. We, we prayed to our God and we posted a guard. It's not that we're praying to God and then just doing nothing. Trust doesn't mean you do nothing. Trust means we bring it to God first. And in Hezekiah, he does the same thing. He brings this battle to God first. He prays over this, weeps over the altar, and then he goes out and he prepares for the coming siege by blocking out the wells so that the people in the land could not come in and find fresh water by which to satisfy them during the siege. So seek God first, pray before God in humility, have faith, and be sanctified. Then we go into a lot of the different elements of prayer, uh, how to pray, and things like that. The two books that I recommend in this as far deeper books than I do here, this is more of a, a primer or a precursory. Uh, two other books that I've actually read, which are excellent books for me over the years, are D.L. Moody's Prevailing, uh, Prevailing of Prayer, I believe, and uh, Ruben Torrey's How to Pray. Those are two instrumental ones for me. Of course, do not forget that the scripture speaks a lot about it, especially in the book of Matthew, chapter 6. We find some quotes from Jesus. He says in Matthew 6, 5, When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. So that is our first principle. We do not pray to be praised by people for our prowess or our elegant words. This is why in a big prayer group, I rarely ever speak aloud. Such pompous prayers seek only to give us recognition, but Jesus boldly declares that these people, doing it in the lack of humility, have their rewards in full. He also writes, uh, Matthew writes in Matthew 6, 6, But when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And so we go into here and just kind of talk about some basics. So, of course, there's the model of prayer, the acts, or the cat's prayer, if you were, confession, adoration, thanksgiving, supplication. We go into some of this. We talk a little bit about the the Lord's Prayer, what is the relevance and significance of that. Basically, what we're doing in Hezekiah's Prayer is giving you some real-life examples from the Old Testament and bringing this along with some of the New Testament principles from Matthew and a few other places to give you really a game plan by which to begin your prayer life. And that really is what is important. So there's a brief summary on the book Hezekiah's Prayer. You can find this book at our bookstore at owicpub.com or on my author website at ourwalkingchrist.com, also available on Amazon or anywhere else where you purchase your books online, and we will have links to those different resources in the description to this video or podcast. So that will go ahead and leave this one here today for a little bit of a shorter podcast, and I hope that you guys have enjoyed this. Get yourself a little bit of a thought on prayer, and definitely check out Hezekiah's Prayer or the first book in this series, Josiah's Sanctification. And then look for, later on in 2021, look for the next installment, which I've not exactly settled on the title yet, but I will tell you that it is about influences in the life of the Christian. So thanks for coming along on this edition of the OWIC Publishing Author Spotlight. Books and offers featured in this podcast are linked in the description. 
You can find this book and others at our bookstore at O-W-I-C-P-U-B dot com slash bookstore.